0: all right folks it is me the master of this podcast toby the man is how i like to be referred to matt's not here to do this intro because him and his wife he and his wife they had a little baby boy yep give it up give it up congratulations congratulations so I'm doing the intro today, and we have a great interview about death and dying with Caleb Wilde. But first, can you believe it? There's a new Emory tour with Hawthorne Heights! Oh my gosh. VIP tickets are available at emorymusic.com and general admission will be on sale Thursday. Uh, June 6th will be Ohio- uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. June 7th, Columbus, Ohio. June 8th, Cleveland, Ohio Warp Tour. Woo-hoo-hoo. June 9th, Pittsburgh. June 10th, Indianapolis. June 11th, Springfield, Missouri. June 12th, Oklahoma City. June 13th, Denver, Colorado. June 14th, Wichita, Kansas. And June 15th, Lincoln, Nebraska. That's right, Nebraska. We big. Also, Devin and I are doing an acoustic tour. Uh, we're calling it "Songs and Stories." We'll be playing a bunch of Emery songs acoustically and uh, telling you some stories behind some of those songs, and uh, you know, a few stories from our life. That is in April, coming up soon. April 11th is Nashville, where my Nashville homies and homettes at. April 12th, Louisville, Kentucky. April 13th, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And April 14th, Chicago, Illinois. That's me and Devin. Tickets are on sale right now. Get those quickly. Also, we need uh, house hosts for Nashville, Louisville, and Chicago. Or if you have a coffee shop or something like that, hit us up. Let us know. And finally, check out MarriageSupply.com. It's an awesome site that Matt and I have, uh, I guess taking over. <laughs> if you have always wanted to try a sex toy or a sex product to up the bedroom and uh, you didn't want to mess with all that porn and all the stuff that usually hinders people from going to sites, go to supply.com. No porn and all about growing closer together. Today's show is sponsored by Postmates. Postmates is giving our listeners 100 of free delivery credit for your first 7 days just download the Postmates app and use the code BADCHRISTIAN. Today's show is also sponsored by Quip. Quip is a better electric toothbrush that's backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Get your first refill pack for free when you visit getquip.com/badchristian. All right, let's get to the show.
1: Oh, hell yeah. God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever
0: f- talk to me that way.
1: <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extroverted.
0: No, girl. It's my flesh. I, I showed showing my dad me. my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that.
1: All right. Joey's on vacation in Norway. Toby, you say three, two, one. Drop the beat. And then Reva, you take us home. Oh, yeah.
0: Three, two, one. one <laughs>
2: This is the Bad Christian
0: Podcast. Oh my Lord! (laughs) Yes! Wow! The estrogen is everywhere in in this beginning of this podcast. My God!
1: Joey, go ahead and extend (laughs) that vacation, my friend.
0: Yeah, you... you, Stay in Norway, Spence, and stay in Norway.
1: (laughs) The deep no, I don't wow. want to set up I've too bad talked. of a
0: precedent. <laughs> the estrogen is
2: wild. <laughs> yeah.
0: Pure estrogen.
1: Just I've never felt emotions there, like which, this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no. want to set Joey up for, to, to make too much fun of him while he's out of town, lest I be made fun of or harmed or thrown out with the bathwater because I'll be out for having a baby probably in the next couple of weeks. Maybe, maybe not. So I will say, Joey, you're missed, and I hope you're resting and we can't wait to have you back. But you know, we can handle this without him for a few
0: minutes, I think. Yeah, I know. I, y'all you're lucky. Like you get Joey gets to miss for a vacation. You're getting to miss for your brand new kid, your yep. little boy, all oh, well, we'll wow. See. The only thing I can miss for is like like severe health risks. Yeah. Or something you know what I mean? Like I just I'm I'm forty three. I'm, I'm forty two, almost forty three. Is obviously it's gonna be something wrong real soon where I get rushed to the hospital and that's why I'll miss. Y'all y'all's yep. are all joyful.
2: <laughs> Which you almost did well, today yeah
1: i was i was trying to oh i got an update on something else that i think y'all find is funny but i was trying to you know people at the schoolyard uh asking me about stuff and the baby coming and work and stuff like this and they have the maternities and the paternities and whatever yeah and i was like well yeah i can take time off you know i mean i can it's just i mean what am i gonna do take fmla like uh, it doesn't what does it matter? Like anything I don't do, I cannot do. And then it will be exactly that l- lack of productivity and future earnings. There's not like there's no right. There's nothing. There's no break. Like any work I don't do doesn't get done. And then I'll do it later. And that'll cost what it costs to not have gotten that productivity accomplished. So it's just very matter of fact, like unpaid time. You know, There's not, nothing you could do if you're self-employed like that, really. Nothing you can do. It's just you lose what you lose when you don't work. Yeah that's it yeah. <laughs> and the, anyway the guy people I was talking to I was telling you about the guy that told me that had I told the story a while back that three kids isn't that hard but um, so it's not that big of a deal but he has of course a wife that doesn't work is at home has a nanny uh, full time there house cleaner <laughs> at the house and I found out also night nurse you ever that heard of this what
2: nurse?
1: yes so at night, a person comes to their house like at seven o'clock and is with the baby in the baby's room all night long. And then when the baby cries, helps it. If it needs ch- diaper change, change it. And when, and when it's time to feed, that the, the nurse wakes up. The mom hands the baby and then takes it back.
0: Oh, my, oh,
2: my goodness. So they have a nanny so, from seven to seven during the day. And then a night nurse. I think this is relatively common. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three kids. That ain't nothing.
0: I mean, how much money does yeah. all that cost? I mean, seriously. I mean, no.
1: I mean, it's amazing. Like, I, that's, I, it sounds like I don't, don't hear that as a knock. It's just like, wow. No, like, I know, wow. but how much does like, that
0: cost cup you think? Miles. Like, all
1: those, uh, all does, those jobs. Some amount that they have, I'm sure. I'm not, you know. People have money in the world. So it's not, it's not, I mean, I, I supp- it's, I just, it's just, but it's so insane deal. from what I'm facing, what I'm literally looking at and facing on a daily I mean, it makes me question myself. I'm not making fun of somebody else. It's, oh my gosh, like that's probably what my wife wishes I was able to have provided, is what, you know, a way I look at it. Like, oh, like this is the time in my life where my choices thus far actually. Like, oh, this is what it is. This is why we live in this small house. It's difficult, and it's, this is stressful. And I'm having to run all over the place. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's not. I cannot do all these things that are are needing to be done. Uh, you know, we're not poor by by what any standard I would say. But however, the choices I've made in my life, it's not what I've chosen to do. A path that would, could provide such things for my wife. I'm sure she would actually like. <laughs> that's oh, pretty nice. It'd totally. be like time to find some hobbies. You know.
0: The only person I know that could afford stuff like that is Pastor Joey Svenson. <laughs> I mean he could I don't he's in Norway right now and who knows how many doctors <laughs> and nurses and yeah. people he has with him twenty four seven. I can see Joey in Norway right now, like eating I don't know, what are they eat in Norway? Like waffles or uh meatballs or big mainly waffles. Something yeah, whatever goat, they serve goat cheese at IKEA. and waffles. Are going to disappear and everywhere in Norway because Pastor Spence is there and he's blowing it up. He's Wait. doing all kinds of stuff.
1: <laughs> I am worried about about childcare for the for the future of pe- you know people. Like it's going to be one of those costs that is really bad for you know it, it's 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 rough for lower income people and it's never going to stop. Medical and childcare is going to feel worse and worse on on low income people as time goes on. I'm feel it's, it's kind of un- you know the cost here is is rough. I'm I've been worried about that, that.
0: Like it's going to get. Real about who who has kids, who gets to, yeah. who doesn't, think, and all that. That's yeah, good. So. That 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 sounds really scary and dangerous to me. I'm I am like, how easy will it be to go? Wait a minute, you don't make this much money, so here's this pill, and you can't have kids, or, or you know what I mean? Or, or I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, in a way, they already do some of that stuff. That's what I don't know. I don't yeah, want to get. I, I, I don't get a bad, Well, that's weird because it's kind direction. of the
2: opposite right now. Like right now, it's like, I mean, I guess that's kind of a stereotype. Poor people are able to have. A lot of kids, but not necessarily that they're able to, they just do. And then people yeah. who are more wealthy don't have as many kids and they have a lot more like... Well, it's part of,
1: of the concept. problem with the maternity and the paternity and the benefits argument. Is such a woke, white thing to talk about the benefits and the maternity and the paternity, but it's right. rich people that get it. It's the people with the good jobs that get that. Poor people, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, McDonald's can't give six months paternity <clears throat> and maternity... It, it, that's not... The you know company I mean? wouldn't can't, exist, you, I don't think. Yeah, a lot of... What's the average McDonald's employee? How many kids they have? A bunch. And they have a... You know, like, right. it, obviously, that's not... You know, it's, a, it's just a real... I'm not saying there's not a solution. You can say, one year maternity for all. Well, that's not... Obviously, that's not realistic, though. So, yeah, it sounds good. But what I'm saying is, yes, it's a huge problem. I'm not saying, well, too bad for them. But I'm just saying it's a real problem. But the, all the maternity, paternity leave talk, that's for rich people.
0: Yeah, yeah, but but my point is, it's gonna as soon as the AI and technology gets good enough, you, those jobs will be gone, and you're gonna go. We don't need more of those poor people, so poor people, right. you They'll, don't get to have right. kids They're... anymore, or something like that. It might really turn like that. So when when the upper class goes, wait a minute, we don't need them, because right now it it does seem like there is some kind of idea of rich people and poor people, and poor people are tools to help the rich people make more money in a way. I might yeah. be, uh yeah. you know what I mean, like that. Even if that's not actually true, it feels that way. And so uh, you're right. I think that a lot of people are unaware. Like like you said, that guy goes, "Wait a minute! It's easy having a a newborn," (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it is to him. Like he has no clue what. Yeah, well, I'm not
1: making him out bad. No, he's not. Especially lest he listened to the podcast or something. He's a hero to me in a a way. I know you're not talking
0: bad about him, but I'm saying at the same time he probably doesn't. He it would probably he wouldn't say that if he was in your financial state. Right. oh yeah yeah right no, that's, but, that's yeah, my point and, and
1: me i'm not complaining about me being poor i know that's you're not, not. i know you're I'm not i'm just saying
0: uh, there's some crunch real crunch no, i'm in the upper coming. class i know it i'm, not, I'm <laughs> yeah. not rich at all and i'm in the whole <laughs> world I'm, I'm talking about just like i think i'm poor and i know i'm probably one of the richest in the uh, in, in the world we're in the one percent in the world everybody all yeah. of us would be one yeah i mean of it's of unbelievable course, so i don't want to complain at all I, I, that's what i'm saying but i just i do think at some point you'll go wait a minute uh, more, more people, more responsibility that, let's just stop doing that. I mean, they did yeah, that in China right. for a while. They, oh, did, did you ever hear, uh, I'm, man, I should have used this. Um, uh, I read this article a while back in China where, uh, you know, they, they, uh, I think it was China. Maybe it was Japan. Uh, listen, listen to me, white, rich uh, guy. <laughs> I don't know the difference. Sorry. I do, but I can't remember which country it was or whatever, but, uh, wherever it was, it was is a, is a, a country that I can't not remember right now, but they, uh, Stop letting people they, you can only have so many kids what do you don't remember which country they were? You China has have, the one child policy for one child policy decades, right so yeah, they, they were doing uh but I thought it was Japan for some reason anyway, so everybody chooses boys, you have a girl they would right. do abortions or whatever right it got so, so it 's gotten so bad. I need to look up this article. I wish I wouldn't ever said this story because now i 'm making it sound like a fool, but uh it got so bad that now the the girls have a lot of power, the women have a lot of power because there's only so few there's so few women. There's an influx of all these men, and they don't have wives. So men will are like spending tons. Like the richest, most elite men now get wives in the, in the you know the lower class. They don't have any money, or and so the, there's a real problem with there's not enough women to marry men and and to continue to have kids and stuff like that. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, I need to find it. Speaking of news and stuff like that, you know what I was thinking is this whole Svensson in here. Maybe I could just take over the whole podcast and do damn news the entire time. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> With my sick ass. All right. Kick the music. In a world where there's a evangelical pastor that's just eating a shitload of goat cheese and waffles from an, in another country that Probably uh, the whole church paid for the trip or something. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's a joke. (laughs) I'm joking. He paid with his own money. Good Lord. I don't know where he got it from, but it was his own money. Just kidding. This is the damn news. It's Toby (laughs) Morrell. All right. I want to do some news now. Then we'll bring on our kick-ass guest, Caleb. Talk about death and stuff. And then uh, maybe I can even do some news afterwards. But the the one I wanted to bring up first, and, and this is serious. Uh, And it was interesting Because the roving reporter Who is my wife She's like What do you think about All this Methodist stuff And I was like Methodist I don't think about No Methodist I don't know (laughs) I I hadn't thought about Methodist since the Greer Greer Methodist In 1984 Or something You know I had a friend That went there But these These old Methodists And this comes from The Tennessean One of these uh, Papers here Where I live Uh, The United Methodist Church uh, This says Three takeaways On the vote From uh, They did a vote On same-sex marriage And LGBT clergy and uh, from St. Louis, it says, the top policymaker-making body of the United Methodist Church voted to reinforce the global domination, den- denomination's bans on same-sex marriage and LGBT clergy, banning them instead of lifting them. A lot of people thought they were going to lift those bans and they would be able to have uh, LGBT clergy and uh, acknowledge same-sex marriage. From Sunday to Tuesday, 864 lay and clergy delegates gathered in St. Louis for a specially called session. Of the General Conference to Debate Human Sexuality and Try to Find a Way Forward Together, the rule book for the more than 12 million members church says homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. Although a majority of delegates upheld the church's current teachings, Methodists remain deeply divided on the matters. And so uh, the church church's decades-old conflict on human sexuality and how to interpret the way the The Bible says about it, it continued this weekend, and they voted everything down. Uh, The Judicial Review of the Traditional Plan, the delegates approved a conservative measure known as the Traditional Plan that strengthened the church's prohibitions on self-avowed practicing homosexuals from ordination as well as same-sex marriage. Uh, And the -hmm. the plan passed in a 438 to 384 vote. So 384 voted— to allow it. 438 didn't, but uh it was it was kinda crazy. So I I was So watching. that's kind of a split decision. Like it was
1: close though.
0: It was fairly close, but I mean uh it wasn't like one or two. I mean it ended up being uh, sixty uh sixty mm-hmm. something votes uh to not change. So that mm-hmm. and so now a lot of people are concerned that it's gonna split the Methodist church. Like the the Methodist church is just going to split and be two different denominations or something now. Interesting. And I don't know what that looks like either, because then I don't, I don't know how that works out either. The, the frustrating thing for me is, I, like you know, we've had church clarity on here and, and talked about wanting church clarity. And I do agree. The big issue is when churches do this, then the whole thing becomes about this. So then yep. it gets away from teaching about Jesus and the actual good things that the church can, can do. Now, you have to make these decisions, and I, do, I, I am for church clarity and saying what you believe. So part of me thinks, well, at least they said this, and this is, you clearly know this is what the Methodist church has agreed to or whatever. You can choose to leave. You can choose to stay, whatever you want to do. But it just ends up – there isn't any way out of this. It's it's going to happen yeah. no matter what. You can split and and then you're just gonna you're gonna lose. Like the Methodist Church is going to lose this. And a lot of people go, no, you got to stay to the truth of this, this and this and this. But it doesn't. It's not going to help the Methodist Church no matter what. This this decision coming down is going to maybe cause it to implode.
1: But they're not thinking of it that way. They're thinking of do the right <laughs> thing, right? Each each individual person is thinking. But I don't know if we're going to win or lose. It's not about win or lose. It's what the Bible says. What we believe. I mean, what else can they vote if they think that? You know, well, like,
0: I guess you're right. I mean, yeah.
1: On the other hand, I, I look at it two ways. First of all, I'm interested in the votes because th- now I want to know was it ever voted on before? Did it have less support? And, and like, I, if I were them and I was on the side that wanted to change the definition of marriage, which I would be if I was there, I would say, hmm, this is very frustrating that we didn't get it yet. But next time we vote, I imagine it'll be in our favor. You know, if we can hang tight another five years and stick with our brothers and sisters as they wake up to certain things and grow as I have grown, uh, maybe that will be, you know, a 75-25 vote the other way in five years from now. I don't know if that's a possibility versus let's split immediately when we disagree with those who I used to agree with three years ago. That seems like a bad—I don't like splitting. (laughs) But on the other hand, like, how are you supposed to stay there if you're at odds with that? So maybe you want to split— uh, but it's it's crazy because things have moved so rapidly. I don't think they would have had near a close vote three or four years ago, either. Right? Or am, I could be wrong about that. I don't know. I, I I don't know. You're probably right. I mean, maybe it's not it- like they settled this once and for all. Like again, the big historical trend will be
0: acceptance and uh, inclusion. I mean, it just I think that's kind of but, obvious. But all right. the, the interesting thing here, though, is. All these delegates and stuff like that, I, I believe they're all pastors within the church, or they're all representatives uh-huh. of whatever. And so, it you know, 60 people on top of that, it was, it was, what, what is it, 800 and something people or whatever, ha- almost half of them said, we read the Bible this way. And then the other half said, we read the Bible this way then, right? That's what right. it comes down to. And so right. then— you're left to go. Wait a minute. Uh, the, those people are reading the Bible the wrong way. Your interpretation right. is wrong, sir. Your right. interpretation is wrong, ma'am. Whatever you want to say. And so the the biggest issue now is that the the church exposes way more dysfunctional, uh, no 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 cohesiveness here. And so it all it's going to end up doing is is and maybe rightly so is this the, it's going to split and be worse and not better. And, and well, then and- Matt, you you were Presbyterian, didn't, what was the Presbyterians split on this a while ago, though, right? Well, no, I don't think so. I
1: think the US Presbyterian USA Church is inclusive and the PCA Church is not, but they split over liberal and conservative issues over, you know, I mean, they've always been on men and women roles back from the, I don't know, 70s or whatever. I don't know if you know, like, or they've been split longer than that, but it's over the same fundamental. Are you, overall more liberal and fluid or are you going right. to hold up traditional like that's what everybody i mean the red and the blue is almost that it's like are we open-minded and moving on if so how and the other's like yeah but we need to keep back to our you know that's those are moral intuitions that undergird everything like you you know that about yourself before you ever engage in political or religious issues if you have the built-in intuitions of Tradition and sticking with it and getting back to the principles like that—that's a mindset. It's a—it it might be in your DNA for all I know, but yeah. that's that's there, and then it expresses itself through these issues. But you know, so some of it's kind of predictable. But it seems that traditional marriage will will be a shrinking faction, and maybe they think they'll eventually be the only true believers. But if they'll split here, and then that group will split again eventually when. You know, because some of the people that are in the one camp now are going to be in the other camp soon, but nobody's moving back toward the traditional camp, right? Yeah. Of the 400 votes for keep it traditional, a percentage of those will change their view in the coming decade, but none of the people in the moving on camp will go back to traditional in the next decade. So it will be ever shrinking, the people that are not inclusive or stand up for traditional marriage. And the question is, will it go all the way down to where they seem like an irrelevant faction of Christianity or not, like, I don't know, Quakers or Amish? Like, yeah, it's fine. Those people don't even believe that men and men can get married. They're so cute. There's, you know, 8,000 of them in the country, and they live this way. Like, maybe that's what eventually you'll be left with. It's only because it's tied to, you know, the political power and the mainstream and all the stuff that it's so harmful, you know? If there's some faction of people that didn't believe boys and boys can get married— it just it- and they're not
0: politically, yeah powerful, it won't really matter at some point, all right, two nights ago, Jess asked me to run to the grocery store, and it was like seven or eight p m and I almost divorced her. <laughs> I'm joking, but I did not want to leave my house, and that's why you use postmates postmates is so awesome. It's your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever you can think of delivery service. All year around. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Did you hear me, folks? Postmates will bring you what you want within the hour. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They, they're they the largest on-demand network in the known universe with more than 25,000 partner merchants. So cool. Don't have to run to the store anymore. I love that. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit. Did you hear me right? $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app right now and please use Code Bad Christian. That's code Bad Christian for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Get anything you need, anytime you need it. Download Postmates and save with code Bad Christian. Uh, I was talking to somebody,
1: the I had a, a beer with somebody the other day who was asking me, man, your you, you sure views have changed on pornography and gay marriage. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, how did they change? And I said, uh like he thought, like I was gonna say, Oh, I read this article or this argument convinced me or whatever. I was like, yeah. Oh, I don't I have no idea how they changed. I just noticed that they changed. Like right. I just noticed, like, Oh, wait a second, I don't think that anymore. Interesting. Like, uh and what it what it came down to is I was talking about When I was at Mars Hill, I was so empowered by authority and being right. And I was trying. That's what I was aiming for, to like have answers and be certain and know what was right. And when I look back at it now, I go, man, on the issues of both pornography and homosexuality, I don't know what you want to say. Uh, It was like, I thought, that if I knew something and I was right about it, I could tell other people and was supposed to and was doing the loving thing by, like, for instance, telling people, like, oh, you looked at porn? Well, guess what? You are really bad. You've cheated on your wife. You need to go to her, and you need to tell her that you've cheated on her. Right. And then she's probably whipped up into somewhat of a frenzy about it because she's been treated that way and told that she's been cheated on, and it's this big deal, and we're making, you know, you have to do this. And so then here's me actively meddling in two people's private life. I was doing like that seems so wrong to me now. That's how I know that I've changed. Cause, like, wait a minute, I would maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe that doesn't upset her the way I think it should upset her. And he didn't really do something. He's not a sex addict. Of course not. He just, I understand that. That's maybe it's not everything. But in any case, I'm making it a big deal and possibly causing strife between two people. And I'm not even certain what to do there so that was really heavy handed and wrong to feel right. like I was that empowered to be that involved in somebody else's between two individuals what they want to do in their how they want to look at se- the issue of sexuality Yeah, that seems wrong to me now I don't know why but it does like, so yeah. does that make me a bad person or a well, weak the, person one, or I've one of the things I dislike,
0: myself or what uh, the, the, the word liberal or uh, you know even change sometimes it gets this bad connotation of you're walking away from God or you're becoming a bad person or you're mm-hmm. you know it's not oh wait a minute you used, used to be stronger in your faith Matt now you're just less you're weaker in your faith you've become more liberal and now you don't now you, you think everything's right. okay and, and it's just gonna get worse and worse Matt because right. more people That's are right. get to do whatever eventually they're gonna be Marrying dogs, and I, I mean, I've heard that argument literally. Like, what happens when they start marrying children, to, and all that? And I'm just like, wait a minute. I, I know I you, you're you're scared and you're worried and all this stuff. But hold on, let, let, we got to that that fear thing. You're, you're using that against what people are saying Right now in a logical sense and I, I Wanted to re, uh, just give a little bit more clarity On this too um, at, So at the denomination's 2016 General Com- conference the delegates Asked the UMC bishops to produce Recommendations for how the church should resolve Divisions over LGBTQ Over the next three years the Methodist Leaders developed the one church plan Which would have allowed local Pastors and regional conferences to Make their own decisions keeping the Denominations together but allowing diversity within in the ranks. Sounds fair, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. We want to that, stay that with this. We reasonable. believe the tenants, this and this, but here we kind of disagree here. You know, this is where we would like to go our way. In order to put that plan into place, however, the bishops needed the support from a full body, so that's why they called this. Uh and then they so they called uh this meeting here to get everybody together, they thought they had it, but clearly the bishops did not have the support for which they had hoped. During a vote early in the conference uh, here in St. Louis, delegates did not put the one church plan at the top of their collective agenda, and on Tuesday they did, definitively voted against any further consideration of the plan. Meaning churches mm-hmm. aren't autonomous, and you that's cannot so go crazy. so. So it leads me to the next thing: is well, Please don't let us do be you, autonomous. Please it, don't give me freedom. Don't don't let our you God, know don't our, our our church here believes this way, and that it will be offensive to you, so you can't do it. It ma- it makes me question: Is there any time the giant, big group, collective thing actually benefits everybody? Yes, in lots of ways. You get, you mm-hmm. know, you, that's why they don't want to leave. Uh, these, these churches are saying, "We we're Methodists. We don't want to leave. We we love this, 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 and this." But of course, there's going to be something, no matter what. Take a, take out the the LGBTQ issue. What what if it's something else? What if you want to you know uh, have a, a a Spanish only service, or what if you want to do this, or or you want the carpet to be green, and most Methodist churches are red. Whatever it is, that churches end up splitting over this stuff because inevitably there will be something that you will split about. And and the and the big point here is, is it not boiled down to? Wait a minute, we got to control y'all because if we if we let y'all do that. Yeah. Then, well, no, they volunteer for it to be controlled,
1: is the disappointing part. Like, yeah, okay. We don't we you know what? We don't want to be autonomous. We just want you to tell us what to do. We'll go, we'll go along with it. We just want to stay. Yeah. Like, that's so sad. Yeah, just it like is. giving up. Like autonomous oh, sounds good, doesn't it? Like, yeah. who do you not want to be able to be autonomous is still the question. In their marriage bed or in their private life, or in the way they run their congregation. Why do we resist accepting freedom?
0: Why? And that feels like the main place where innovation and creativity are birthed. Within that, like I think all churches should be niche market churches. You do not these bi- the bigger you get, the crazier control, power, uh, uniformity, yep. assimilation happens. As and then yep. the, then then you get everybody playing the uh, s- s- silly cheesy music that doesn't mean anything. Every church plays it because well we're all one. This is what we are, and that's it. I mean, it's all force-fed yep. bullshit where the, there isn't any real creativity or innovation a lot of times. And so well, and churches aren't good g- luck telling a at, church that thinks it's cutting
1: edge oh, that there's God. no innovation. They're, they're I'm telling you, proud of their innovation.
0: I'm telling you I was talking to a friend, and I, I realize more than I ever have that churches are, might be in real trouble and don't know what's coming at all. Like I don't think the Methodist church realizes, wait a minute, Oh, we're standing our ground and here's what we're doing. They think it's like, you're right, they think they're doing the right thing and they're honoring their God and their Bible and the Word of God. And what they're missing is, wait a minute, you're missing everything. Things have changed. Things have changed and you are way behind the eight ball and you don't even know it and it's going to explode in your face very very soon and it's coming and if you can't be adaptable and have that innovation and real creativity and uh something more than well this is the way it is no no yes or no. it's not that easy we live in a very well, gray world now and they said but toby you just want to go with wherever the culture goes no matter how No central? I don't is that I what don't. you're saying No I don't what I want is everybody can go the way they want and then I get to choose where I'm I, I think I want to go yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I'm okay with there be churches with, with churches saying we are not gay affirming. Not that I agree with them. That's not what I'm saying. But I love it that we live in America where they can they can say that, and I know it. Then yeah. I know. Wait a minute. Yeah. That's what that right. church is. Oh, okay. I'm not going to go there. Oh, wait. Those are KKK people. Not going there. I, I, I you know, I, I understand. I'm. What does this happen? Okay, whatever. But I mean, the idea of controlling people so much so that it you even control how they. Believe in God and what they do, and because I mean, there are real people that said I interpret the Bible that it, this what y'all are saying isn't right, and that we should be affirming. I mean, those those people are trying to do good too, right? They're not they're not evil yeah. devil worshipers that are trying to infiltrate the church and ruin the message of no. Jesus Christ. If anything, no, they're trying the problem,
1: to broaden it. Well, you know what really makes me I mean, lose my lunch, and want to throw up, is to see people attain. A, what seems like open-mindedness for a brief period, as they like, for instance, leave the church or whatever, um, and then immediately panic and find some other set of of, of rules, you know? Right, right. Like you just, it, it you know, it's not. You you had you could have had freedom, and instead you just picked a different regime, and agenda of of here's the way you're supposed to think, you know, like that yeah. is so depressing. Like you almost had freedom for a second, and you you don't, but you didn't. You did. That's not what anybody really wants, and kills
0: me. I, I don't I don't want to say this because part of me doesn't want to say this because I do not like, and we are guilty of this of saying people have talked bad about bad Christian, and I they don't even know. Or, oh, this person. I don't want to do that, but just this week. Basically, they've been lambasted, kind of kicked out and removed, not only from a conservative Christian group, but also an LG, LGTBQ group. And I'm just sitting here going, man, I'm doing everything I can. Like, I can. Like, if anything, if you've ever thought about bad Christian, good or bad, you're right. There's a lot of bad, You're right about and both. we we aren't good hosts. We're not good interviewers. We're not the funniest people in the world. We don't always push back. We don't always uh, ha- have enough diversity. All the things you could say are true, except for no. does anybody realize we let everybody come have a say? And you get to really hear them, and if we don't push back hard enough or whatever, but what in the – I mean, the most – there's so many groups out here now that are, are uh, proclaiming uh, how much, uh, you know – inclusiveness they want and everybody. And, and then you get pushed out. Like I was like both sides. I'm a piece of shit to everybody. because what what have I done? I, I am trying to grow as a person and learn everything I can. I am a Christian who believes in Jesus Christ. People say you're not a Christian. You're a heretic. You're a loser. You're a terrible person. I'm a person that wants at our conference to have all types of people, everybody I can come and speak. Oh, you're you. You are exclusive. And you talk down to this people and this. People. I don't. I'm doing the best I can. I'm just a regular person that wants all, everybody to get a say a, 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 or at least and be, be able truthful. Change. Maybe that's what I should say. Man, I think you might have been muted or something. I, I don't hear you talking anymore. But I'm just saying I, I was really blown away by like groups that I would have thought like would be very inclusive. And, and all of a sudden, I'm an enemy. If you're making me or the Bad Christian Podcast your enemy, you have missed the point and are not helping the people that need help. You, there are people out there that are really oppressed and need help and need support and all that stuff. And if, you're, if we're the ones, then you are almost a fool because <laughs> we're not worth your time. We're not that good. We're, and all we're trying to do is let everybody have a say. And that's the truth. All right. You turn up there, Toby. And I'm sick with it's
3: diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right. Can we bring up well, Caleb? And yeah, about I, death? I, that's uh, There you go. That's the way I feel, too.
3: I, I want think, everybody
0: I think, well, to, I think have that's to be able to say something. What, what, why does everybody want... I mean, I don't think everybody always should have a voice. I agree. But I believe that the best part anybody about this that's country... Anybody honestly is that, trying
1: yeah, should have a voice. Yeah, should and, anybody. And, anybody that see, is, is being a genuine person should have a and say. And you shouldn't and,
2: have to push back against people that you disagree with. You can just listen and let other people right. decide.
0: Uh, uh, notice, notice this. When you listen <laughs> to the Bad Christian Podcast and we don't push back and you go, man, they should have done this. What, what did you lose? You, you already have your preconceived notions, and you know you're not going to buy into it. We didn't, we didn't lead all these weak people. You're, when people say that, they just think everybody else is weak and can't handle it. Oh, the Bad Christian Podcast. Oh, they're allowing people to, uh, you know, there's a, this LGBTQ guest or this hardcore conservative comes on or whatever it is. Like, you're smart. We do this because we know you can handle it. I don't think any of our listeners are idiots and are going to be completely duped by our idiot voices. Or what we're doing. And that's not what we're trying to do. Just trying to let people say something and then you can form your brilliant opinion. But I don't understand yeah. why, why is everybody well, that that's
1: that's like the I mean look I, I'm not pointing back at anybody in particular but these those things always give me like ugh was this hall monitor who is oh this my god tall-tale? I know who is I Like, it's an, an eight year old that just wants to like hey this person don't let these well, are the want rules you and to the goes, oh but come on y'all have fun it's kind like, of that whole I'm the authority parent. thing have fun. they want
2: you guys to yeah. decide what to think about the guest yeah. by pushing back on the guests to. You know, for whatever they think. But that's not the point. The point is just listen to other people and then let the listeners decide what they agree with or don't agree with. But that's not up to you guys to tell them what they should believe or not believe about what the guest is saying.
0: I don't want anybody agreeing with me just because uh, some uh, fame or podcast or anything that I have. Don't. And and that's why I want anybody to come on here and be different. Free thought would be better. (laughs) What do you want to disagree
1: with? The time when I say gay people shouldn't get married on the podcast? Or the time on the podcast where I say everybody should allow gay people to get married? Have your pick and get mad at me. for. I said both.
0: I'm going to change my opinion about a lot of shit. Get ready. All I've done is try to grow. (laughs) That's all I did. I'm trying to change my thoughts that I find out later down the road. But I can't help where I came from or who I am or what I look like. I can't help it. That's the truth, I know. Uh, so all I want to do is just try. I'm trying. This is about as, it, it, this is if it's not as good as you are doing, but I'm trying about the best Toby can. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's get all. I, I, now I got all worked up, and I didn't even <laughs> want to. It. Good God, I hadn't got worked up in a long time. Well, glad you did. <sighs> 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 Sorry, I just vomited.
2: Yeah, you could. We bring on our guests for that. That was pretty gross.
0: No, no, cool. <laughs> it's all over the place. <laughs> um y'all Reba, does your dog eat their own vomit Dottie will throw up and then look at it and then kind of look at me like a little sad and then start eating it I may, I get out of there Dottie no I
2: kind of wish that he did because then it'd be less for me to clean up but he doesn't he doesn't eat it and then I have to just clean it all up
0: part of me is is a little (laughs) jealous because I was like man when I'm really sick and I throw up well the easiest way to get rid of that would just be if I ate it but anyway (laughs) all right so we got a great guest coming up Caleb Wild um He has a book. He's a a mortician. And uh, yeah, let's just get to it. Okay, folks, I'm being serious quip toothbrush is my favorite toothbrush i've ever used in my life i love it i have it stuck it comes with this cool little uh you peel it and there's a sticky back and you put it on your mirror you set your toothbrush right there it's not even on the counter i love it i use it every day hit the button it vibrates it it uh stops every little bit to let me know when to change positions when to change sides of my teeth all this stuff every 30 seconds it's really rad I'm, i'm just being serious i use it every day and i love it never thought about toothbrushes i always go for whatever cheap at Walmart this thing is amazing it's one of the most important things you do for your health every day uh, and so why wouldn't you want something that's fun, easy to use, and you'll love it seriously uh' a lot of people you know uh they know they think, well, should I brush this hard Should I brush th- too I-, I have sensitive gums, maybe I shouldn't brush this way or whatever I'm telling you quip covers it all, and their brushes are sent to you. Automatically, they're delivered on dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. You, in the mail, your toothbrush comes, and it's only $5. I can't, uh, seriously, three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective. Quip is one of the first electronic toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. and has thousands of verified five-star reviews. Seriously, it has the, the t- built-in two-minute... Timer pulses, uh, multi-use cover. Uh, the heads are sent to you automatically, and I'm telling you, I use mine every day. I love it because it's just so easy and honestly kind of fun to use. I, I will admit it. I like the fun aspect of the vibrating toothbrush, and it stops pulsing for a minute. I go, oh, well, let me move over to this. All this, it just does. it's kind of does everything for you in a way. Uh, Quip starts at just twenty five dollars, and if you go to getquip. Dot com slash badchristian. Right now, you get your first refill pack for free with Quip electric toothbrushes. Uh, that's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash bad Christian. Can you see us and hear us okay? Um, I can't see you, but that's okay. I can hear you. <laughs> Well, if you can
1: hear us, that's okay. No problem at all. Well, thank you for You look great, by the way.
4: (laughs) Oh, thanks. Today's my day off, so I I got a lot of beauty sleep last night. (laughs) And uh, I I got my makeup on. I used my uh, corpse makeup. we, We always have some laying around the house. Well, cool. Well,
1: Caleb, we're glad to have you on today, Uh, and I will confess while we're on the topic of confessions. Your book is Confessions of a Funeral Director. I've not read the book yet, but this looks like it's right up my alley, Um, and it's really interesting. I've been thinking a lot about death uh, since my mom died, which is like a year and something ago, and I never really thought about the topic before, and there's so many bizarre things about it that I notice now that I never noticed, and it seems like what you cover in your book and the approach you... Come from, um, is 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 really interesting. And I don't know if anybody knows this or not, but just a couple of weeks ago, Michael Gunger just released a new podcast called This, and he just did an episode about death, and it was deconstructing what is death and why do we treat dead bodies this way versus that way. And I just think the topic topic is uh, super fascinating. And I know that Joey's always obsessed with death here too, so I'm kind of looking forward to hearing. But could you tell us, you know, getting started? Um, you know, in that real philosophical way, what is, do you, I mean, from being a funeral director and being around death so much, what is the thing that you notice that is uh, really illogical or weird about, the, what are the things that we treat death like that kind of don't make sense if you think about it? That's, that's fascinating to me.
4: Yeah, embalming is certainly one of those things that, well, I, I should back up. So I think... This thing happens, and I call it grief bonding, where we bond to something that's very emotional, and it doesn't always make sense. And that happens a lot of, around grief. Uh, and embalming these five thousand dollar caskets, the vaults, all these things that go along with it, uh, can extends way back in American history. It's peculiar to America. I mean, you, you don't go to Europe, and they're not they're not spending ten thousand dollars. On embalming casket and a vault, uh, it's pretty peculiar to us. And it's, uh, it's from a grief bond. I think that's probably at least 150 years old, stemming back to the civil war. And it doesn't really make sense. I mean, the, the body's going to decompose no matter what, if you put it in a vault that will survive, uh, the destruction of the earth and, and a casket that, uh, keeps all the, the mice, rats, and, uh, Zombies enclosed, I suppose. That That's one of the pluses <laughs> to the faults. I mean, if the zombie apocalypse right. does happen, nobody is getting out. Uh, unless, <laughs> I never thought about that. I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, thinking, unless it's like the hawk who's buried in one of those things. I mean, it, it's keeping them down. <laughs> so that might be a plus. Uh, but otherwise, it, it just doesn't make sense. Our bodies decompose, and uh, all these attempts to forestall that process and the money that we throw at it. Um, is is something that I think is 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 a grief bond. It's a it's a illogical bonding to something uh, that at one point made us feel comfortable.
1: Yeah, People, the illogic the- is what I'm getting at. The illogic is what is so obvious to me. But on the other hand, illogic doesn't mean bad. And you're in this industry; right. you obviously do this things and even make money off of it in your career. So I'm trying to reconcile. Should I think? more about death the illogical parts of it and try to explain to people well that doesn't matter and this doesn't matter or whatever or is it just the kind of thing where we're just it's just better to go with it and it will everybody will nobody wants me to pick at the logic of it so just shut up and do it like everybody else wants to do that's that's kind of where i'm curious what how do you see that
4: yeah well if if we have to think about it when it happens We can't expect ourselves to be logical. So, uh, you know, if my dad were to die today, of course, I've got a running start since I'm a funeral director. But it kind of puts us in this stupor. It's almost like having a hangover or being drunk where uh, the grief is overwhelming. We can't think straight. Uh, We shouldn't be expected to make these massive financial decisions, but we are. And so if we have to think about it right in that moment, uh, right when all these em- emotions are flooding our brains and our bodies it's it's we, we can't expect ourselves to be logical and that's fine i mean that's that's the way it is with love comes grief and th- that grief is uh is a full body experience a full mind body experience so thinking ahead is a huge part because we we can't we can't believe that we're going to enter death totally logically Uh, so we've got to think ahead and, uh, do it when we're in a better state of mind, which is right now, you know, before something happens. So, So
0: you grew up around the funeral home. It was like the family business, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I kinda of got a little bit of connection. My dad always talked about it. my dad worked at a mortuary, is what he called you you call it fun- funeral home. I don't know if you call it mortuary or what, but Yeah. It, it uh, depends
4: yeah. on what part of the country.
0: Yeah, we're in the South. I grew up in South Carolina. My dad would always just he it, it, it was just a job he got somehow when he was a, a teenager back in nineteen right. early sixties, you know? And uh but he would he would tell me stories about it and it, it seems like just growing up around it, did it was it scary? Like did your friends think, Oh my gosh, you see ghosts or dead bodies or all that stuff? Like did it did it make you feel on the outside of your friend group or anything? I
4: don't know, man. It's probably like if you grow up in Alaska and you just have you you're used to that cold and then somebody else comes to Alaska and they're like, Oh my god, how do you live here? <laughs> you know, that's kinda <laughs> the way it is growing around by we play and go in the kitchen room. So for me, you know, it was family businesses for both. Uh, I, I well, I'm actually uh, kind of a foolbred. So my mom's parents owned a fourth generation funeral home, and then my dad's parents, which is where I work now, uh, I'm the sixth generation funeral director there. So wow. both sides of the family had a funeral home, and you know the the one side, my mom's side, we'd go over for Thanksgiving, and in the very next room would be a dead body that's that's laid out for the viewing tomorrow. And so it was just kind of a natural part of life. Uh, of course, you know, when my friends would come over with me to my grandparents' house, it was like, what the hell is this? We're playing hide-and-go-seek in caskets. Um,
3: so you were never afraid of the dark in your own bedroom,
4: man. No, no, I was. I was afraid of the dark in my own bedroom.
1: Were you really?
4: Bodies. Dead yeah. bodies were another thing uh, altogether.
1: Well, yeah, That so... so I, Help me understand there, If are you so you grew up around dead bodies in a way that they're not alarming at all and never were? Is that, is that the case?
4: Yep, and my son's the same way. He's six. He comes to visit me at work, and that's uh, just a natural part of uh, our lives. Uh, so he's seen multiple dead bodies, and he understands how it works. Uh, I've shown him uh, everything that I feel comfortable showing him um and uh yeah it's it's interesting let me get a couple
1: follow-ups on this line real quick though okay so do you think then and i just want to pin on this just for a second y'all can take it somewhere totally different if you're comfortable with dead bodies themselves are you also do you also think you're more comfortable with the the notion of you dying or becoming a dead body absolutely so are you you're less scared of death than other people also you think
4: Absolutely. So part of the problem of both the uh, medical industry and the funeral industry is that we've taken dead bodies away from families. And as we've removed dead bodies from families, uh, we've removed familiarity and we've made this thing that is somewhat scary a lot more scarier because Uh we don't touch death. Uh, We pay people to touch death. We pay me to touch death as the death, quote unquote, professional, Uh where, um, you know, I I believe that love creates the professional when it comes to death and dying, Uh, not my degree. You know, that that does not entitle me to be a professional for your loved one. Um, So I you know, that's part of the thing that I'm trying to do is I'm trying to Redefine the terms here and say, you know, look, what makes, what gives me the right to be the one to care for your loved one? Uh, It's definitely not my degree. It's, uh, um, uh, if anything, what makes a professional or make what makes somebody entitled to dealing with a dead body is love, Mm -hmm. and and that love enables us to do the hard things. Uh, which is uh, caring for our own in dying and in death.
1: So you would you would prefer it you think it'd be more culturally healthy if all people adults and children were not afraid of dead bodies and in fact encountered them more often would be good for everybody to just spend time around more dead bodies without fear and you think that would not just of the fear of dead bodies but obviously symbolic of
4: This professionalization of death care is a uniquely American thing, and it's uniquely American just in the last 100 years. I mean, not even 100 years. Uh, So we're kind of existing in this really, really small vacuum in a particular country, in a particular place in history where it's odd to care for our dead. Whereas the rest of history and most of the rest of the world, that's, that's what you do you know you care for your children you care for your aging parents you care for them when they're dying and you care for them when they're dead so this separation that we've made from once a body's dead it's no longer our uh within our realm of responsibility it's it's really particular uh and it's very american
1: uh yeah and it it's, seems to it's me funny, related, it feels dishonored question I'll turn, right? <laughs> turn you loose, but it seems like it's related to uh Christianity to some degree, where you know we've we've put everything in this category where death is is sin and sin is death, and death is the punishment, sure. death is so bad that and of course we're naturally scared of death, but it's like we've really amped up that fear of death. And somehow in a way that maybe like, should we all be more comfortable with our own death? Is, is, is that really where, is it all us, like the money and everything? is just all us trying to avoid thinking about the fact that we are going to die.
4: Yeah, it's all spaghetti, you know, it's all interconnected. Um, so of course, if we are able to care for our own dead, I think it helps ourselves to grasp our own mortality and to lose our fear of death. I think a big part of the reason that uh, we fear death uh, specifically in Western countries is because we've had the the dead bodies taken away from us um, uh, by either uh, medical professionals or funeral professionals. But if we touch our dead, if we care for our dead, it helps us to reconcile with our own mortality because we see it uh as a part of life
0: it seems scary though to touch a dead person like that's the thing so that, would like, you say that
3: what like basically the gist of this conversation so far is what you mean by how the business of death saved your life like the full title of the book what how does what does that mean
4: how did this? How did this business save your life? I still don't know, man. To be honest, Harper One put that on there, and, and we never really had a discussion about that. <laughs> um, I
3: noticed you were smiling when I was asking you that. I was like, I think that's the an business all right of question. books. Put that on there, then. <laughs>
4: there we go. Um, I mean, I've tried to think about it and roll it around a lot. Uh, I and there's a lot where I think. I'm not who I am without death, uh, but saved might be a little, <laughs> you know, a little bit evangelical there. I'm not sure where we're going with that, but uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely, death is defined who I am, but saved is maybe a reach.
0: When you so were, you- uh, sorry, when you were younger, did you think this is what you were going to do? Like when you were in your, you know, you're getting ready to graduate high school or go to college, or did you go, I'm going to take over the family business?
4: Uh, hell no! I I, um, I wanted to be a missionary. As a matter of fact, uh, I grew up in a very strong evangelical church where the only two options to please God were either on the mission field or uh, behind the pulpit, and uh, certainly not uh, taking care of the dead. So, with those two things in mind, uh, that's what I wanted to be. Uh, up until I ran out of money, uh, on the mission field and, and, then, and then had to, uh, you know, feed myself. So I went back to the funeral home at, uh, let's see, 21, 21 is when I started schooling.
0: Wow. All right. I want to get a little bit into the details here. Cause my dad would always tell me like my dad, like I said, he worked at a mortuary, mortuary and he said like, there was times where the body sat straight up or, you know, like, I don't know if that's rigor mortis or what, but like, do you see, like, is it, we're talking about death and the afterlife and all this stuff, but I mean, is there any comedy that goes on when you're like working on a dead person? And it's just, it's like, there's like a a good laugh that day at Sheila, the dead lady laying in front of you or something.
4: Yeah. I mean, that, so it's really rare. Like if you, if you ever had turtle soup before and I don't advocate it because uh, I love turtles, but turtle soup, like the turtles, is still squirming even after it's like in the soup. It's, it's really oh. quite weird oh, um, and gosh. I've never eaten turtle soup. This is from my dad. So this is like when he was an Eagle scout and they had yep. to uh, subsist off the land for like a week. But yeah, humans aren't like that. So once we're dead, we're pretty much not going to move. Um, the mo- But we do have other types of movements like bowel movements. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, flatulence is pretty common among Whoa. Um, and, uh, let's see. Oh, noises too. Like if you, so like, let's say, uh, I had a buddy of mine who went to make a removal. Uh, the guy died at his home under hospice and he grabs the, grabs the deceased and is ready to transfer the deceased onto the cot. Uh, and the, as they do it, a bunch of air comes out and he makes a vocalization. Oh, oh. <laughs> and of course the family, so oh. this is his story. I don't, I don't know. I can't, yeah. you know, verify it, but apparently the family tackles him because grandpa's still alive <laughs> <dad's> still alive, <laughs> and he's trying to take dad to the funeral. <laughs> he's not dad. No, so they call, uh, I forget who they call. I believe it's the ambulance call nine one one because when you're under hospice, you don't have to call nine one one. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, the EMTs have to come and verify that indeed dad has died and that 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 was just, you know, dad's last last words, I suppose. But so, yeah, uh, farting, uh, vocalizations are things that still happen after death. Um, But sitting up, I've never seen it. And I don't know another funeral director who has. But well, maybe my, my dad's been known to lie,
0: exaggerate, but. Uh, he he said yeah he said something like that but uh, so also with being a funeral director like you actually like you were making a joke about the you know funeral makeup and stuff like that but you actually your job is to make people look as almost alive as possible right like they're just sleeping and you're getting in bodies that have sometimes been in terrible accidents right i mean are you seeing stuff this this wild like that
4: Yeah. Yeah. So secondary trauma is a big thing in the funeral industry, just like for EMTs and and cops and, uh, you know, uh, people serving in the military. Um, We see a lot of stuff. And that's uh, it's on addressed in the funeral industry because funeral directors are supposed to be strong. We're supposed to hold in our emotions. That's what we're getting paid for. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we see that's, uh, you know, that we carry. Uh, that we carry with us for our whole lives. So that's that's been a big struggle for me. Um, yeah.
1: So you're saying the, a dead body is is something you're totally comfortable around, but seeing real trauma, like bodies torn apart and things like that, and imagine uh, imagine there's all ages and such. Like there's things that could be too difficult. that I couldn't even talk about that you had to actually see and touch. But when you see the tr- when the trauma is there, it is hard for you.
4: Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, Why do you think that is? What's the difference in a dead body and a body with the arms ripped off?
4: Well, not so much that like it's the kids, it's the types of deaths. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the the 35 year old uh, dad or mom and they leave, you know, a family behind them. Stuff like that is has its own type of trauma. Um, And I I guess it's because we can't do anything. You know, we're we're in a position where we're supposed to be helping people. But when you lose your kid. uh, Right there's nothing I can do. Um, and of course you see your own family, you know, when you see a kid who has passed away, you see your own child, you can't help it. Uh, and so those things are haunting. Uh, you know, we talk about ghosts, there's, you know, there's psychological ghosts when we see things like that, that, that imprint themselves in your brain and you just can't get it out. Uh, And, uh, you know, so that's stuff that we carry with us. Yeah, that has to be,
0: sorry, I was going to say it has to be because you may, you're the person that makes the decision too. I'm assuming like on, can you make the body look correct or back to somewhat normal and that some, some people you can't, you're making that decision. No, it's gonna have to be a closed casket or you're sitting there, you're right. Like applying makeup to somebody's, you know, mother, father, son, daughter, something like that, that, that. Definitely. I I couldn't see another way you couldn't personalize that and go at some point, you know, I'll be here or my family will be here or something like that.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the, you know, I was saying before where embalming is kind of a weird, unnatural thing. And it is for 90 percent of the people that we work with. uh, But those 10 percent of people who have experienced some type of trauma, we are able to do things like that. And that is good. You know, it does lessen. Trauma. you know, I've, I've been thinking about this because, uh, you know, I, I'm starting to, to do some speaking things on uh, burnout and compassion fatigue in the funeral industry. And I, I've been thinking, you know, the opposite of love, uh, you know, we talk about opposite of love is hate, opposite of love as uh, indifference. But I think there's a real part where the opposite of love is trauma. Well, you know, love sticks to you; it becomes a part of your being. It's like integrated mind, body. Uh, when you when you have love in your life, and it's the same yeah. thing with trauma. And so, anything that we can do uh, to lessen trauma, I'm all for confronting evil. I'm for, I'm all for not sheltering your kids, not sheltering yourself. But trauma is a whole different category. Uh, trauma trauma affects you neurologically; it affects your body. And uh, anything that we can do to lessen that, Uh and we can, um, uh, we do.
1: It's worth doing. Yeah, yeah.
3: Hey, Kayla, what are what are some non-negotiables when it comes to what you do with with the body after it passes away? I was talking to someone recently, and I found out some things that I just couldn't believe. Like, I know there's restrictions, but what are what are the non-negotiables, your, your father passes away, he's in his bed. Here are the things that you have to
4: do. You're required by law. Hmm. There's not many. Um, well, it does depend on state. Like it differs state from state, uh, for us, uh, here in, in the United States. Uh, but you're, you don't have to call a funeral home right away. Um, you can have and this is a big thing that I'm, I'm pushing because I think it it has to do with that death positivity that uh, I'm trying to push uh, where home funerals are legitimately healthy. And it doesn't have to look like the funeral where, you know, a thousand people pack out the church. It can be, just be your immediate relatives and friends. You don't have to call the funeral director right away. And that's a misnomer, you know, and it happens all the time. Hey, dad died, uh, um, oh, when did he die? He just died 10 minutes ago. Can you come get him? And sure, I'm happy to go get him, but if you need time or you want time, you have as much time as you need. Now, granted, the body starts to tell you when that time's up, um, but,
1: uh, how is that three or four days or what?
4: Uh, it depends on the circumstances. If you, in Texas without air conditioning, Mm -hmm. you know, that might be 12 hours, uh, Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, if you're in our area when it's cold, there's not much moisture in the air because we're like at, uh, I think today is like 20, 25 degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, then you got a couple of days. And of course, you can do things to, you know, there's ice that you can put on underneath the deceased that helps. And there's a, a number of things where people are using tech uh, to enable families to, uh, grab control of this process a little better see my hey. natural
1: impulse on all that is and even been through it i mean when somebody's dead that's just nothing there's nothing there it's i don't care it's i don't i mean of course there would be tr- like you wouldn't be able to t- stop the visceral feeling of seeing the body and you wouldn't want to see something bad happen to that body of course but i the person's gone I, the body's it's just a lump of stuff at that point to me i mean is that not what what am I missing when I say that?
4: I, you know, I'm not one to, to to preach. So, uh, but, <laughs> but <laughs> no, so I think.
0: And John three, two. God.
4: Yeah. <laughs> God said thou shalt not embalm. Um, but yeah, so yes and no, it is just a body. But I also think that a uh, dualism affects the way that we look at bodies as a whole mm-hmm. uh, and we think a body's only worth something when this when the supposed the spirit's involved um so a, a a body is more than a combination of chemicals and compounds and so on and so forth uh, a, a body holds love um in some mysterious way so part of me Yeah. You know, it's just a piece of meat. Let's uh, you know, we can put it out. And this is a thing. And I'm OK with this. There's actually a, a movement right now in Seattle. Like they're, they're dealing with the putting the law. It's before their uh, Senate uh, to start this recomposition thing where you take a body and you put it, it, it you uh, put it in with uh, some other mixtures and you can create soil that you can use to uh, like plant things. in. I think it's called recomposition um, where you're, you know, it's like a compost pile of yeah. bodies and they're, they're pushing for a law to make that legal. And it looks like it's going to pass. I believe it did pass. Uh, so, I mean, that's one extreme where, you know, the body's just a sack of chemicals. Um, but love sanctifies things. Love's ma- love makes things sacred. And it might sound like I have ul- ulterior motives because I'm a funeral director and you know, I want you body to me and we'll, we'll put thousands of dollars into it. And that's, that's not what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that love makes things sacred and, uh, there's a disconnect that we have between spirit and body in the West, um, that I think, uh, can be at times, well, it, it is dangerous. Uh, and that doesn't always have to apply to dead bodies, but I think it can. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, so so yeah, I mean that's that's a roundabout way of answering. Your- I
1: just think about it for for as me though. Like when I'm d- dead, I mean yeah, be nice to all the other dead bodies. But when I'm dead, who care? Don't work, don't do any fancy crap or put me in a tuxedo and dress me up and put. Don't do that to me. I don't. That seems like that's. I just throw me in the ocean. I always thought it'd be cool if somebody like a scuba diver found my skull in a reef or something, and it scared him or something. That'd be cool. <laughs> you know, be you know.
4: Crab use it use. Yeah,
1: yeah. That that sounds cool to me, but I don't really want all this stuff put into my. I don't know. It's like, and, yeah, and like I'm not cra- even speaking as the duelist, really. I'm saying even like, yeah, my iPhone is good until it's broken, right. <laughs> And this, this, then it's just a piece of – it's just a paperweight at that point.
3: See, it real, I think it really does matter on on what kind of person you are too because, like, there's some people that going to the seminary, cemetery and actually seeing the plot means something, and then some people it means absolutely nothing. Like, that yeah. is a very sentimental place yeah. to go to and and be with just knowing that their remains are there. And then some people see remains completely different. But it's funny, when my grandma died in September – I I was shocked about this because I find her a reasonably smart woman. And she said that she definitely, I didn't know this, but she had told my dad she definitely want to be cremated because she will not have people looking down at her in a box. Like she, you know, an old woman, she's just like, I cannot have people looking down at me while I'm laying down dead. (laughs) And I'm thinking that would actually bother. I do not care.
0: Like I'm with Matt. Yeah, it's it's interesting, though, because that that distinction there, Matt, you're making, though, really does seem like it can only be because if there's a spiritual life, because otherwise, the if, for example, if there is no God, then that body, if you could reanimate it, would actually become the person again. Right. It's just shut down. But it. I, so it's the only thing true. you're thinking is that you don't care about the body because you in some way do believe that the spirit now, is gone. I'm not saying that I'm the saying that if
1: I if I had an old uh You know, IMAC from ten years ago that that literally got left out in the rain and didn't work. Okay. It's not it was valuable until it wasn't. It was animated. It did hold memories and data until it didn't anymore. Until it's now no longer accessible. You can no longer put memories or data into the computer or get it out. It's dead. It's gone. There's nothing left. It's just a brain. But if there was
0: only one iPad on Earth, you would spend a lot of money to reanimate it, and you would think that it could if still If it was possible, that'd be totally different. Anyway, if it was reversible,
1: subject. then yeah, I would, I would totally change my position. Uh, uh, all right, so K- uh, Caleb, does yeah, this on. make... Caleb, Caleb when to respond like, to that. Sorry.
4: sorry. No, no.
3: Well, well when, when I hear that, here's some responses that come to my mind, and I'm curious if you think this sounds crazy, but Matt, I get that, but that's also the same body that held their child for the first time or uh, was intimate with, you know, your mom or just like, there's still beautiful landmarks that, that, that body actually went through. Mm -hmm. Like there's, I don't know, that means something to me. Does that sound crazy to all of you?
4: No, I'm sure it sounds normal. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't think you're wrong, Matt. And you know, there, and that's, that's part of the problem too. When, when we approach life, we use these binaries so much of right and wrong. There's no right and wrong in death. You know, there is there is some to some degree, you know, you're not going to want to hang grandpa from the tree and let the birds eat him unless, you know, I don't know. It's so sorry. So I'm extremely morbid, and then I forget how that, that might not be an appropriate <laughs> comment
1: in real life. You're in good spot
4: for that. Don't, uh, don't invite me to supper uh, with the kids around. But so— so we have these binaries of of right and wrong. And uh, I think that death is an incredibly liminal experience where it's both and. Uh, we tend to see somebody as either dead or alive, but I don't think that's the case. So when somebody is dead, we categorize them as entirely 100% dead. They're dead. And mm-hmm. when somebody's alive, they're 100% dead. But I think there's a sense where it's both. Where when somebody dies there's still there is still something that's alive uh and when we are alive and somebody dies, there's a part of us that's dead uh so it is never an either or thing it is both we both hold death and life in us, and the dead hold life in them uh, and the liminality of death you know is is the reason why we can feel like. They're so far away and yet they're still close. Why we know they can't talk to us, but we still talked with them. Why we feel this chaos and we also feel peace. Why we have these seemingly paradoxical feelings all the time uh, when we lose somebody. Uh, presence and absence, they're here, but they're not. And so these, this liminality of our feelings, the liminality of our experiences, I think also applies to the body to some degree, mm-hmm. uh, where it is, in it's not an either or thing, and so that's why I think you know all throughout history, the body has represented something. Now, of course, you have pockets. Um, I don't know if you guys heard of have heard of the the, uh, the sky burial in Tibet. You know, they, they basically they go up on a mountain. They take a dead body up on the mountain, and they bring a machete. And there's vultures that you know know their role. And the vultures come down and the, and they 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 eat the deceased. That's how they do their burial. You can look it up on the internet. Just don't wow. do it after you eat. Um, sky burial. And so that's, you know, that's that's one way, but that's a pretty small uh, percentage when we when we take things globally and historically. There's a liminality to the experience of death. There's a liminality to the, the feelings that we have around death. And there is some sense of liminality to the body itself. Well,
1: that sounds to me like you're talking that the thing that my point of view that I'm trying to demonstrate here, which is not necessarily my whole point of view, but a way that I look at it, uh, it's real related to the consciousness and the ego, I suppose. Like the, if you think of yourself as a being, as just the person, the, the part of you that's thinking these thoughts and the super hyper conscious and doing all that, um, then that's more of the binary kind of that turned off. That is gone. But if you think of the person more like the meditators and the dissolving of the ego and the psychedelic and all that stuff, you know that sounds to be like the territory that you're kind of saying is more the both and. Is is that related at all?
4: Yeah, it is. I, I I don't think we're ever 100% of ourselves and that's the most evident around death. Mm-hmm. So to think that we're entirely this individual, uh, it, it gets proven wrong when we feel like we've lost somebody. So once you feel like you've lost somebody, the assumption there is that you wouldn't have lost somebody if you were just yourself, you're still, you'd still be whole. Right. Yeah. But we have this experience that something's missing. It's because we are this uh, conglomeration of the people that we love or the people uh-huh. that have given us trauma. You know, there's the uh, behavioral, uh, no, there's a epigenetics, which is a, a new thing where they have been able to identify how, trauma is passed on generationally, uh, through genetics. Um, and there's also the flip side to that where they are being able to identify how love is passed on. So they look at, you know, for one instance, um, uh, Holocaust families, uh, there is a propensity, um, for families who have experienced the Holocaust for their children and their grandchildren to also have traumatic, uh, Traumatic experiences almost built into their DNA, uh, so we aren't just ourselves. you know we we aren't just us, and death underscores that where the the there is a great mysticism and paradox around death, um, and we can hyper spirit spiritualize it, which I think the church does a lot. Um, but I'm kind of trying to look at it from uh, just my own observations, what I see at funerals uh, where there's a real sense where we are not just ourselves. Uh, We like to think we are, uh, but we are the people that we love. We are uh, the term that I use is we're, we're living cemeteries. Um, We are our ancestors. We are our friends. Uh, We are our loved ones. We're living cemeteries. Uh, So, Yes, um, I, I do go towards that more, where I'm just not looking at the ego and, and and the mind and the brain. Those things are real and they exist, but there's also another part where I think we're we are uh, not our not our own.
3: Hey, do you, do you believe when people die, they immediately go to a different place? Because I have a follow up question. If you do, like, do do they? do they pass on into a different place immediately? I don't even I mean I personally I don't I think you're a Christian. I I, I uh, read some of the comments about your book and a bunch of people in our you know circle of friends and everything read reading stuff they're saying and everything. So I'm assuming you're a Christian. What do people what happens when people die?
4: Yeah. So I don't know. So so I I, I will say that that whole thing I stay away from for the most part yeah. um, I have opinions on hell heaven um, but you know I, I'm also I consider myself somewhat progressive and the the idea the, the, the seminal idea of what I think is Christian progressives right now is that um, uh, is the whole dualism thing you know yeah. the, it, it's not dualistic uh the the uh there's connections here. Um uh you can't just tell somebody to get saved and not feed them. Um yeah. you you can't just go into a country and hand out tracks and get people to heaven and and that's that's the end. Um so when it comes to the afterlife I tend to look at it more practically. Yeah. Um so for me when I talk about the afterlife uh things that come to my mind of christian wise aren't heaven what comes to my mind is communion um so communion is the active remembering of jesus and what he's done for us in my mind that is a non-dualistic practice of the afterlife so we are actively attempting to bring christ into our presence Um, what, whatever you believe, however you believe it, I think that's the idea behind it, right? Where we're, we're bringing Christ into our mind and our hearts. We're thinking about him. Um, and so I also think that that applies to our loved ones, uh, where it's okay for us to bring the afterlife into this world where there's a part of the afterlife that isn't just God, that isn't just heaven. A part of the afterlife for you and me is our friends and family, and so how they how we approach our dead and our ancestors um, is kind of the take that I launch off of um, and i it's something I call active remembering where we're actively attempting to to bring the the, the memory to well, with Jesus the person and uh, into our minds into our hearts. And I think we can do the same with our own loved ones. I don't think there's anything weird about that. Um, so to build a shrine sounds weird, uh, to maybe our grandfather who we loved. Um, but it's not, uh, because it's, it's an expression and it's ways that we can bring him into the present, uh, where there's pictures of him, maybe things that he loved, uh, that, continually bring him into our living spaces. We think that once the dead are dead, they only should exist in dead spaces. And you can cut me off at any time because I'm, I'm starting to, uh, you know, roll here. But but I think that there is nothing wrong with, with bringing the dead into our living spaces. In fact, I think it's very healthy. And again, it's this dualistic approach where once somebody's dead, they're dead and they belong in dead spaces. They belong in the cemetery. They belong in heaven or, or or hell. They belong in the next place. Yeah, Um, But I think that there's a very real reality where we bring the dead into the living because it is both end. uh, And there's a connection between the two Um, where the dead are still alive. uh, We just tend to ignore them.
3: Are there any, uh, before we let you go, are there any uh, major trends that that you can tell the uh, writings on the wall as far as like, is everybody going to Completely go to cremation or stop doing expensive coffins or anything that you're seeing turn around,
4: yeah cremation I mean cremation is definitely on the the uh, the up uh so just uh, I think ninety percent is what it is in in Europe uh ninety percent of people are cremated, and you know we usually tend to be what like twenty thirty years behind uh, some of the trends that happen there and we're seeing that. So the, the expectation is like 2050, 2060, we'll be right there with them where 90% wow. of the people will be getting cremated. Interesting. Um, yeah.
0: Part of that's probably population too. Like people are like, well, there's only so much land and you can only have so many cemeteries and stuff, I guess. Do you, I, you, uh, do you, you foresee a future where there won't even be cemeteries like that? That'll be gone. Like
4: you won't go to a place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, so we're transient, too, right? I mean, yeah. I still live in my hometown, so the dirt means something to me. But if you're moving all over the place, uh, you know, it, there's no sense in in spending $5,000 to put to put mom in a place you'll never visit. Yeah. Um, and the yeah. more transient we become, the less cemeteries become a, a, a shrine, so to speak. Interesting. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I think they'll become and they're already becoming that man. Cemeteries die. You know, uh, once cemetery runs out of money, uh, nobody's going to be cutting the grass and that, that grass will grow. The trees will grow and, and it'll be a dead cemetery. You know, we see nice. that a lot.
0: All right. Last question. You were talking about, you know, just people's afterlife and all this stuff. You ever, anybody ever come in like, oh, Ken, and he was an asshole his whole life. And you're like, you know, I'm didn't want him to die, but my life might be better without this dude. here. Are you ever like, whoa. Because you live in a small town, kind of, like you probably know a lot of people, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want him to
4: die, but I, I. <laughs> upset. You done got
1: yourself into some shit now, didn't you?
4: <laughs> oh, oh, so we're we're allowed to cuss here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Oh man, let's let's start over. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Kayla's like, man, I could have been way more loose, Damn had man. way more fun. Wow. Oh,
0: um. You don't have to answer. I'm just joking. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean,
4: God. It, death is a death is a blessing for some people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there you go,
4: <laughs>
3: Toby. That's hilarious yeah, though. Yeah. Like a small town. Like imagine like if your rival from school in the eighth grade, you just always hated it. I mean, seriously.
0: Or or like the mean police officer that always gives you a ticket out on the back road or something. You're like, oh, he died. Oh, I'm really sad. You know, you're not sad. You're kind of like, yeah. I could. I would be. I would be vindictive. You're a better. Oh, person Oh, you don't, than don't give warnings. Sure. Why well, ain't yeah. get? You didn't get a warning yeah. either. Yeah. Have you ever? Is you, you have the ultimate cut down too. Is somebody is mean to you and say, "I'll be seeing you soon," yeah. and they're yeah, like, you know. "Oh no, what does that mean?" Is he knows something?
4: <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, All we right. see. Say- we're the last people to let you down, so right. <laughs> we try. Our, we try our best to always be positive. <laughs>
0: All right,
4: Caleb's well, Caleb. Book, Caleb oh, thanks well, you, for the insight
1: yeah. today. We appreciate it. That was an interesting conversation, and I feel I feel better for having had it. There's a lot to think about there.
0: So, yeah, on, a, on a
1: topic that probably people only think about as they get older and more and more until till they die. So, you know, a lot to think about.
0: And you can find Caleb at Caleb Wild that's wild with an E at the end, dot com. And uh, his book, Confessions of a Funeral Director, uh, is on Amazon. You can go there, too. Anywhere else they can find
4: you? Or any speaking events coming up? Uh, Instagram, that seems to be the new place. Uh, yeah. I'm there at Confessions of a Funeral Director. You type in my name and I'll pop up. And uh, uh, Twitter as well, I'm on that. So Caleb Wild. You're kind of getting a name
0: for yourself. Do you have, ever have fans that are like, hey, can I come watch you work? Or they, they don't even know yeah. the people at the funeral home, and they just want to stop by and take a picture with you or anything?
4: Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, I had somebody flying from Russia that wanted to uh, just hang out and see what's going on. Um, wow. But, yeah, that, that happens. Uh, <laughs> now, is what hey, the, it is. A new twist
0: to your job, huh, for sure. Sure. All right, Caleb, thank you so much, man. We really do appreciate it. Yep, everybody go check him out. Thank you, guys. All right, nice meeting you. All right, Caleb Wild. Man, some of that stuff, I, I, I mean, I didn't want to push back, but I promise you, my dad said a body sat up. And my dad is not, <laughs> and, and when he worked in the morning, and he said, uh, I need to ask him again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my dad and ask him after this. Because my dad is not a liar. That's not. He doesn't make up stories like that. That is completely out of his character. So I believe my dad, and I, it means that Caleb Wild's a liar. There you go, <laughs> not pushing back on the guests, like we were talking about before. You You're don't push right. back. You, you just weak person golly i'm so weak okay listen it's still the damn news takeover i want to do at least one more yeah. story can i do one more let's do it all right this comes from the mirror man i thought this was interesting it goes along with our guest caleb uh woman comes back from the dead in morgue but then sh- tragedy strikes again <laughs> mortuary staff in russia i bet donald trump was there uh were horrified when a woman came back from the dead but after being rushed to and in- uh tents of care, she tragically died again several hours later because she oh I know I shouldn't have been laughing because she died of hypothermia uh the sixty two year old grandmother had been drinking with relatives in a village in the remote Amur region Amir region in the far eastern russia uh in far Eastern Russia when she passed away for the first time. Local reports claim a policeman arrived and uh, certified the woman as dead before a local undertaker was called and took her body in. A a hearse to the morgue, but incredibly, the woman was still alive. A female morgue worker was uh, fixing a number tag to the uh, attaching a number tag to her toe and the uh, of the corpse when the woman started moving and the woman came to life, she said. She immediately called an ambulance and paramedics spent 40 minutes resuscitating the woman who had suffered from extreme cold, according uh, to the chief doctor. She was taken to intensive care uh, hospital and died later that same day, suffering from hypothermia according to the region's health ministry. Medics say if she had received prompt medical care instead of being taken to the morgue, she might have survived. Damn. Uh, well, I was thinking, man, that's just really crazy. When she regained consciousness or started moving or whatever, you think she's like, I'm going to make it. Like, do you think, she's, oh, that was close. And then she just still died. Oof. I mean, do you wish, I wonder like in pre- that situation, you wish you were just gone the first time, right? You don't want to try and start fighting for life again and then just die later. Like, if you're going to die, just die once.
2: I wonder if she ever actually gained consciousness again, though. Did it say that it doesn't she didn't really
0: say? No, it doesn't really say. She was well, she. I mean, she started moving and I think moaning a little bit. So there was, Ugh. but it was that clarity? I don't know. if She was like, "Ah, oh, please help me. I'm not dead or anything like that." But I don't understand how her Matt. I don't know if this is a science question or not. Can your heartbeat be so low or so slow that you can stay alive, but they can't really detect it? Is that yes. possible?
1: Yeah, that's the. Hy- I mean, you hear about people go under a lake for or whatever. They they get hypothermia instead of drown or something, and then they can be revived or whatever. So, I mean, the cryonics is is based in that. Just yeah, the the idea of it is almost that if you flash freeze somebody, you know, the faster you you freeze somebody, nothing changes basically. Like no, like a. If you have a heart attack, if you're if you're you have lack oxygen to the brain over a period of time, your brain becomes damaged, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you don't, but if you literally froze it in an instant, there's no damage occurred, and now there's no molecular motion happening in the cells, right? Nothing's right. happening. So, the, the idea there is you're very cl- you you've not suffered the type of damage and oxygen depletion and brain damage that you do uh, sometimes when you freeze. And even when they do some surgeries and other stuff, they just slow your heart rate down a bunch so that other stuff isn't happening. So the cold does, you know, really does some preservation work there. And and that's like the idea behind cryogenics.
0: Yeah, that's like so cryogenics freezes you real quick and saves in a kind of a suspended state, I guess.
1: Yeah, there's less damage has occurred, but also if you just slow down the heart rate, but can keep people alive, then there's you know that that can happen too, and then you can slowly warm the person back up and bring the heart rate back up is is what's happening when in those cases where somebody goes under the ice for thirty minutes or something.
0: It doesn't say, but it sounds like to me she must have been drinking a ton and passed out in the cold
1: somewhere, and then they found her.
0: That must be what it is. They must have found her out there. And anyway, she gone. She did not make it, so be careful. I'm, I bet you, don't you think? Like when I think of Russians and drinking, I, I think no matter what, always vodka. No matter what, they don't Stray have. Vodka, I don't. Right? I don't it's even think they have type, like I'm sure they beer. And, yeah, I think it is, but it just all, that's all I've ever heard. All I've ever heard is Russians drink vodka, and that's it. <laughs> all right, that's the damn news, uh, and the damn news is brought to you honestly by you uh, BC clubbers. If you're not a part of the BC club, Reva, where can they join the BC club? And if you're not, if you haven't joined, you're uh, just a person that i hope doesn't die twice but you might just once
2: you can join now at thebcclub.com
0: wow do we (laughs) got any names reva that we We could read off of clubbers who support this podcast and support the damn news
2: we have matthew dooley jeffrey nett daniel marcouli sean day layton
0: uh, layton (laughs) oh lord you went valley girl layton did you say layton (laughs) No, I don't know what it, I don't know. Hey, what hey it what's up, Leighton? <laughs> that's my friend, Leighton. <laughs> L-
1: is it Leighton?
0: Leighton? The, the Layton. name that
1: I
2: didn't Layton. pronounce the T enough. Leighton. <laughs> and then, quotation I'm a guy, <laughs> Bell.
1: Leighton's a guy. Is that? Yeah, yeah I'm a I guy, Bell. It's
2: just <laughs> that's a male. Oh, um, I see. Robbie Green, Jeremy Davis. Mm-hmm. Brian T. Steinweg, Riley Manzo, which is not my dog, mm. uh, Justin okay. Randall, Matt Woldridge, Corey Bowes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sh- <laughs> Oh,
0: that's Sven- Shivan- not so easy, is it, says Spenson? <laughs> <Shivan> not <Valentine's- laughs> so easy, isn't it, <laughs>
2: You think you got do it? That's because I have a cold. Oh, okay. Joey doesn't have any
0: ailments. Didn't Jeremiah <laughs>
2: McCarthy, Beef, Scott Leslie, Daniel E. Crandall, Jonathan yeah. R. Pierce, Sarah Craft, and Joseph Bryant Othamant.
0: Bryant. Layton and Bryant. <laughs> They're my friends. Good All work, right. Reva. Thank you. Great work, Reva. Thank you guys for letting me kind of do a little bit of a takeover. But I'm a, I'm going to start pushing for more damn news because we'll this. Do it. I mean, by far, greatest episode we've done in ever. ages. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> ever is what I would say. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what what episode would be better. I, you can't think of one. Not off the top of my head, I certainly no, can't. I mean, I, well, can't, I, I, I don't but actually remember any episode we've ever done off the top of my head. You, you ask me <laughs> I know, I know, any I episode, even. I couldn't tell you if they if, who the guest was or if I ever remember them or it not. It happens
1: like. to me all the time in the club. People say, "Oh my oh. gosh, on the last episode, and Matt said this and that or whatever," and that was oh, just I so know. right on. I say, "Okay, but," yeah. and then I ask them what it was, <laughs> and I almost never remember, and it doesn't even make sense what I said. I don't even agree
0: with myself. I know it happens to me all the time. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Sometimes there's times where people say, oh, man, that person, they'll say the name, and I go, who the hell is that? They're like, they were on your podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. <laughs> all right, see you all later.